What's up? I'm Vince Wolfram. And I'm Dylan Carwell. And welcome back to another episode of Big Talk. Where we take small talk to the next level across the worlds of sports, lifestyle, and everything else under the sun. Another day, another episode, my friend. We have a lot to talk about. Um, Since our last episode, college football has taken a turn. Um, especially in our favorite conference, the Southeastern Conference, with head coach Nick Saban of the Alabama Crimson Tide announcing that he is retiring. That's huge news for the SEC. Um, And obviously they've hired a replacement, the head coach from Washington, uh, Coach DeBoer, and he has already come in. And frankly, it's it's shaken a lot of Alabama. Let's let's talk about it, Dylan. Um, Crimson Tide football, let's start with Saban. Uh, What was your reaction when – the news first came out uh, that Nick Saban was retiring. You know, I was I was a little bit saddened because you know I'm a big I'm a I'm a I'm a big Saban fan. I like Saban. He brings a competitive spirit to the state to the like not even like the state, but pretty much the whole country of football. And not only that, it's like you know what you're getting out of a coach Saban. He's going to coach you hard. He's going to he's going to prepare you for not only life in football, but life after football. And that's not really something you see around these coaches. And not only that, he's probably one of the longest tenured coaches in the SEC. And just to see someone like him, a familiar face that, you know, I've seen for so long and someone, you know, I've I've loved beating and someone I hated losing to. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, God, I don't know what to, it's, it's like a funeral for me. It's a little sad just because like, I mean, I'll miss that competitive between Auburn and Alabama. The only reason that I didn't like Alabama as much is because of how great Saban was. It was kind of like Kobe Bryant. No one liked Kobe Bryant, but everyone hated when he retired because they missed having that guy that we all love to hate. In the same way, we all love to hate Coach Saban. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy you just love to hate. And it just won't be the same to me. Um, I was shocked when I heard the news because, you know, a guy like that, you just don't see retiring out of the blue. Um, you would think that you have a farewell tour, but you know, knowing Nick Saban, I mean, I I don't think he would want the cameras anyways. So, yeah. But for him to go out like that with not his best team, but still giving his best effort, and you know, losing a game when they had a chance to win it, you know, I mean, golly, I mean, he he went out on top as much as he could have, but it was it's, it's a little sad for me only because of the rivalry for the rivalry's sake. It's not a rivalry without Nick Saban at all. You know, agree. Um, last the thing, dynasty, I'll... frankly, isn't what it is without Nick Saban and not even anywhere close. My reaction when I first saw it was, okay, fake news. And I sort of went on my day and then I just kept getting like people started tweeting out the stats and stuff of his entire career. So I was like, oh, this might be real. And then I saw it on ESPN. I was like, oh, yep, it's getting real. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it was, it's odd because they've been a dynasty, frankly. He's been there basically my whole life. Yep. So it's Alabama football, as I know it, has all been under Saban. Um, it's what I know. It's what everyone who has watched college football over the last 20 years knows. Yeah. Um, and the Alabama dynasty is one that we've never seen this much dominance over that long of a period of time in college football history. Yeah. Um, and credit that to Saban and the program that he's created, bringing in recruits, bringing in coaches, even the assistant coaches and head coaches that have populated the entire country and all coached under him at some point, most likely. Mm -hmm. Um, So to see that big of a character um, take a leave from our game was, it was definitely a shock. It's interesting to see where they will go. Um, It was interesting to see too the Bama fans with the statue. They, like you said, it was like 
someone had died but it was just Nick Saban retiring. Like there were flowers. There was a whole memorial at his, at his statue in Tuscaloosa. Um, But I'm with you. I think it's a, it's news that obviously as an Auburn person um, and an SEC person, you're like, Oh my goodness, thank goodness. We might have a shot to beat them now or a a little bit of hope because he was just so dominant. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a little sad too, because you hate to see a dominant figure like that. That's made the game so interesting for so long um, to leave a program like that. Um, mm-hmm. and make him restart but the guy they brought in ain't too bad uh coach DeBoer from Washington just put on an amazing season going to the cha- national championship game with Washington what do you think about that hire um Alabama bringing in the Washington head coach you know they, they just got they just got another they just got another guy that we shall not name that's all I'm gonna say you know if if someone comes in the SEC that's not familiar with the SEC they're going to struggle with the SEC. We saw that when we got a potato coach, you know, <laughs> our guy. I love that coach as a person. But <laughs> someone who's not familiar with the SEC, it's hard to get somebody that's from the Northwest. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like they're following in our footsteps. And hopefully they do. Hopefully they follow in our footsteps to where they're the awful worst program in the nation. But <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a winning coach. You know, you 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 can't you can't debate and argue with that his record and all that stuff. He only lost fourteen games in all of his years of coaches. That's insane. Yeah, but I'm interested to see what he does. You know, a in the SEC, the best conference in the nation, and then b you know as somewhere like that much pressure. That's the most pressure in the world. You have so many fans. Like you have, like he's under pressure that he can't even can't even comprehend. You yeah, know what you I'm can't saying? even fathom just the like, amount of pressure that's put on the ticket. Bandwagons to Joe. Everybody bandwagons to Bama. Like I guarantee there's a Bama fan in New York that has never watched college football. He just likes Bama because they're good. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you have fans that he's never had access to. He's gonna get he's gonna get, you know, hate and love like he's never had access to. And obviously he's not gonna understand the pressure that comes with losing the Iron Bowl. So after losing that Iron Bowl next year, you know, he's going to be on the hot seat and we're going to look back at this and be like, dang, Dylan was right. So yeah. at the end of the day, I'm not sold. The only person that I feel like was right for the, the, the Bama job was Kirby Smart. That's the only person who I would have tried to like go after. And know? is that because of equal playing field? He's been on the, the yeah. top tier level in the SEC. He knows, he knows how to win. He's young. Golly, he's young. He's going to be coaching forever. Golly. I know. Scary sight, right? God willing, he coaches forever, but God leaves the site for real. Mm-hmm. But like, he's young, he came, he's a saving product, and he, he's he's a hard-nosed guy, he's a tough guy. Like I said, like, like I said, he, he knows how Bama is, he knows how it works. Like if I were Bama, I would have got somebody that had Bama ties. I don't go across the country mm-hmm. to get somebody who's never stepped foot in the state of Alabama. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think of the candidates, the head coaching candidates that were out there for them to choose. I do think they made the best choice, frankly, because you look at Norvell, Florida State said he was staying. Lanning at Oregon said he was staying. Dabo, that was five years ago that they wanted in. Totally different program. Um, Ryan Day at Ohio State, kind of on the hot seat. You don't want that guy because his problem was he can't win the big game yet. So at that point, you're like, who can we even get? Even Lane Kiffin, who would have been, like you said, somebody from Bama to come back and coach in that system. He said he's staying at Ole Miss. Um, so it really limited their options. And I'm frankly, you go with a guy that's hot um, and he just had taken Washington to a national championship. He's open to it. Um, obviously it's not a, a gig that is easily replaceable. It's probably the hardest one 
in the last 20 years, if not ever, uh, to yeah. replace a head coach um, at that high of a level. Um, but for the time being, I think it was a fine hire. I'm interested to see how he does. Yeah. Um, like My you said, fear. the SEC is it's a hard place to win, um, and you want to trust Texas, the guys that have been there. Especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming in here. But my biggest fear for Auburn football was they go get a guy like Dan Lanning. You know, I was for some reason I was afraid of them getting Dan Lanning. I was like, they can everybody else. I wasn't really worried about even with all like the, the Norvells of the world, even you know the Texas coach. I wasn't like I don't really care less. But the Oregon coach, I don't know why. But I was just like, golly. I don't know if he's. Yeah, a I think a little bit of it is that he's building a scary program. You see what they've done offensively. They lost two, three point games this year that kept them out from being in this exact same position that Washington was in, um, and bringing a fiery offensive game plan like that to the SEC could be scary. So I'm with you there. Landing, I think, was the the scary option from our seat, uh, mm -hmm. looking to Bama. Um, but now that they have DeBoer, I would say I'm a little less like nerve wracked. Um, than he I would be awful. if they picked up Lanning. He looks awful in Crimson. That's all I'm gonna say. He looks awful. Yeah. He's way better in purple. He should have stayed over there. My thing <laughs> is, is that I get it's an amazing opportunity to go coach at Bama. All the money in the world, all the resources in the world, all the access in the world. It's an amazing to have on your resume. But why not go build something special with the team that you've already had? You know what I'm saying with Washington. Mm -hmm. You know you're you're undefeated with a chance to win the national championship. Instead of running it back with the same guys minus your quarterback, and you also you made a quarterback transfer in um Will Rogers, like you had Will yeah. Rogers come to Mississippi State, so you had you were building something there, and you just left it because of the name that came with Alabama and all that stuff. Which I get, you know, a lot of people would take that job, but I just think loyalty pays dividends. And in the end of the day, I don't think that you know, I don't. I think that Bama loses four games next year. Okay, bold take. So you say eight and four. I'm going. I'm not. I'm going. Shoot. I'm going seven and five. Okay. Their over is four point five. Let's say that four and a half. Okay. Who do you think their losses would be at the end of the well, year? Georgia, man. Georgia. Let me look at, let me pull their schedule up really quick. Georgia. If, if I had to guess, I would say they play at Wisconsin in week three. That's a very losable game. Back to back with Wisconsin and Georgia. I think that those are both lose, losable games at Tennessee. That's a very tough place to play in that's, Knoxville. That's a lot. That's a lot. Neyland, yeah. And then I think they play at LSU. You might want to double check me on that, but I think they play at LSU. Wisconsin is the tentative one. At Tennessee, that's a loss. They play at they play home against Georgia. That's a loss. They play at Wisconsin. That's a loss. Yeah, that's a tough place to play too. Madison. At LSU, that's a loss. At Missouri, that's a loss. Ooh, at Mizzou, too. No, okay. no, at home versus Missouri. That's in the air. Never mind. Yeah. Um, Auburn, they lose. Five. Okay. Hey, I'm but right there with Missouri, you. Missouri being the number, what, nine or 11 seed, number, I don't yeah. know, they top 10, and they're returning all their players. I was about and to say, their whole team's coming back, basically. It's over. <laughs> SEC East. Well, no, SEC is still in good hands with Georgia. No one's touching Georgia. Golly. Do you think Georgia stays among the top? No, they're not going nowhere, bro. Unless their schedule is just uh, hard. This is the first year they'll actually have a freaking decent schedule because they've been ducking Alabama in the regular season in the past twenty years. You know, so would you say outside of Georgia, it's pretty blown open uh, for teams coming up in that two spot? Because this year it's been Bama. Last year it was Bama. Those kind of spots. Do you think that will will yeah, fluster think, throughout the year? I think the SEC loses a little bit of credit uh, credibility in a sense that they lost Bama. 
but you replace Bama with Texas. So at the end of the day, we'll always I think we have we have to have two automatic automatic bids. Well, shoot, now let's go into 12 seed. We might have three or four teams in that mug. I don't know. You know, you got Ole Miss. I don't trust Ole Miss to be honest. I just think that they're a fluke. They're front runners. You know, um, Ole Miss football, and I think Lane Kiffin is just a joke. Um, he's always focused on the opponent rather than what he Twitter. can control. Yeah, and like the corny guy. So I don't think I, I the fact that they beat us, you know, by a touchdown when we were awful. Like we were we didn't play great. Yeah. We were a bad football team when that game happened. You know what I'm saying? Like so yeah. that piece by a touchdown, I'm just not sold. So for me, LSU and Ole Miss are are riding the same big yellow bus. Um I yeah. just don't trust Brian Kelly as head coach at LSU. Um, yeah. he, he's always struggled to win the big game. He's won a couple at LSU, but um, I just don't think he'll be able to keep that trend up, and I'm with you on Lane. Um, I think Lane is good enough to lead a good team, but not a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm with you. I think Georgia is among the top, throw Missouri, Tennessee, Auburn, Ole Miss, and LSU in that sort of mix. Um, yep. And those are really the teams that I think are vying for it. But um, at this Auburn? point – I said Auburn. Why not get all all the recruits that we've got coming in? Um, Freeze bringing in his own guys as we've seen over the last couple of weeks with with Cadillac, his exit, Zach's exit, um, bringing in guys. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm hopeful. Um, I have a a decently high ceiling, but also um, a pretty ground floor for where I think Auburn will be. I think the floor is 84. That's the floor for me for Auburn next season. The ceiling, it just depends on the quarterback play, bro. That's all it is. It's just, we just have to have an offense. I'm not worried about defensive all. I think I think our defense takes a hit with the loss of, you know, Simp and mm-hmm. DJ James and Marcus Harris. Yeah, a DK, lot of guys. DK and Cam Riley. We lost a lot of solid guys. So mm-hmm. a lot of guys that have been there and they're like our defense was like literally like one, they're like a hive mind because they've been together for three or four years. Yeah. So you lose that and I don't think we replaced it with many, like many five stars. Do we? Texas defensive back, he's pretty tough. Um, he'll take a spot that DK had, mm-hmm. and then recruits, which I'm more worried about that. Out getting. I'm more worried about that front four. You know, um, it's understandable. All, it's all about that. For me, it's all about that defensive line. We saw a defensive line wins games, obviously with Michigan. You know, what I'm saying those QB pressures that wins games, and you know. Mi- Auburn hasn't had a dominant front line in a while. You know, the last thing, the last one I can recall was, you know, 2021 when we had Derek Hall and Ekulia mm-hmm. and Papo, um, Moultrie, you know, those guys. That was, that was the that was the last, you know, era of a great front four that was, you know, mm-hmm. when it's third down and you needed in the in the jungles all roaring and all that, and they get a huge stop. Yeah. We didn't get that much this past year. Yeah. And even the secondary on that team too, the smoke Mondays of the world that will take your head off at the drop of a, at the snap of a football. That kind of defense is you take your is, head off in the freaking yeah. that guy does not care. No, I'll never forget Ole Miss game. I think it was his senior year when the lights went out and everyone was swag surfing. And they put him on the board and he ripped his helmet off and just went. I was like, oh my, this kid is not real, dude. I swear he's not. Auburn football is in need of a villain and a menace. We need somebody to take – we don't care about the pretty boy, Russell Wilson of the world, the, the post child. We need somebody that's going to go in there and get a targeting call to set the freaking tone. When yeah, they we don't need a golden boy. We need a hitter. 
we need somebody that's gonna put the crown of that helmet in someone else's face mask and then get up like they just won the Super Bowl. I don't care if a flag is getting thrown. I want. I want to see flags thrown. I want to see flags thrown. I, I, I want to see fights. I want to see all that. I want to see that coach freeze. That's a, that's the big talk analysis. 2024 Auburn is we need dogs. We need hitters. We need flags thrown. That's Put it on a flag. Hang in the locker room for crying out loud. Set the tone, man. Have them boys leaving Auburn wishing they never came back here. You know, I, I think we need to just put it on. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, be the most physical team. That's all it is. Yep. Now it's it's time for recruiting. It's time for the offseason. But it's also prime basketball season. Over the next couple episodes, we're going to transition mainly into basketball. Now that the football season has come to a close, come to a conclusion. Um, and basketball, it's been great this year so far. Um, the non-conference games for teams across the big five conferences, power five conferences, you've seen a lot of up and downs, which for non-conference schedule is is pretty good thing. It means that a lot of even playing field teams um, and now getting into conference play, it's it's the real deal. So a lot um, of parity going on throughout college basketball. I think obviously the transfer portal and NIL, you know, there's a lot more access to those smaller, you know, less prestigious schools to go. There's those more benefits. So, you know, teams are losing to those, you know, unranked teams and stuff like that because there's more parity. And it's not mm-hmm. that the fact that these guys aren't ready to play. I just think that these teams are more better on, on like more better across the board than in years past. And, you know, they're more competitive, you know, like the skill level, I think across all conferences, teams, areas is a notch up from what it's been. Um, I just think there's more good basketball, um, therefore better matchups and therefore better games for us to watch and play in. But heading into conference play, the SEC is a it's a conference with a lot of parity right now. Yeah, too um, much parity per se. Golly, you know, you got LSU who's three and one. You got, you know, Mississippi State who's who might be two and two, but they are a amazing two and two. They got a physical front line. They got a really good freshman that team. You got Kentucky with all freshmen throwing taking it way back to the 2016 days. They didn't even have that many mm-hmm. freshmen in a while. But you know, they're 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 three and one. You got so many good teams. South Carolina and Georgia, those teams are starting to be finally become, you know, competitive, you know. Arkansas, who's at one and three, uh, they might they might seem bad to the to the naked eye, but that team has started bad every year and went on to the Elite Eight. So don't count them out. You have Texas AM, who's a freaking hard-nosed, hard coach team. Can beat sense. anyone. Exactly. They, they're sitting at one and three. So it's just like there's so much parity. And there's gonna be more losses. You know, my my coach said that the SEC winner is gonna have multiple losses this year. And I agree. I don't think any team, you know, will leave the non-conference undefeated. I don't see any team that's up there in the upper echelon. So, dang, that team's untouchable. And so yeah. there's just every team across the board. is a. There's no cupcake game, and we haven't seen that in a while. And this is my first year of, all right, I have to come to every game with my, with my A game because, you know, you can get punched in the mouth, and it's going to be hard to recover from these teams. Yeah, especially in the SEC, like you said, where every team from Florida, Missouri – Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ark, like all of these teams are are top notch level teams, and if you put them in any other conference, they do the same damage they are in the SEC. Yeah. Um, and speaking like, of conferences, I'm gonna cut you off. Um, but speaking of conferences, golly, the Big Twelve has been eating up. Mm-hmm. Golly, you know they got Houston is a number what five in the nation. They're sitting at two and two. Like, yeah, that's a dangerous conference. They might, they might. They might be the best conference in basketball right now only because they have an, an unrealistic 
uh, conference. You have they have they still have Texas and Oklahoma who's exiting. You know mm-hmm. next year they just put in UCF and Houston who just and Cincinnati they, too. They just put in they just brought in so many. There's like, it's like twenty. It's like twenty teams in that league right now. It's so <laughs> realistic. The they Big have, Twenty. Literally, so it's not in the Big Twelve anymore. It's like literally twenty teams in there, but. <laughs> Golly, are they competitive? You got Kansas, Kansas State. Kansas State was unranked the whole year, and they're sitting at three and one. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like college basketball is is dangerous this year. And I don't know who your who your national champion comes out of because it, it never comes from the teams or the conferences you expect. No one expected UConn to win national championship at this point last year. No one saw the national championship coming from you know the Big East. Um, yeah. But golly, I wouldn't be surprised if it came from the Big Twelve or the SEC this year. Even looking at the top ten teams, I know I'm not even one to look at rankings because I don't think they matter. Um, but the top ten in the last week, I think there was five to seven teams that lost. I know two, three, five, seven, eight, nine all lost. Yeah, one um, lost. So all. even that just tells the story of what we've seen this college basketball season that anyone can lose at any time. And it's January, so you've got time to yeah, to get to your A game. Literally, you got so much time. Like, the real basketball starts, you know, mid-February. That's kind of when teams really really start to show. Teams get hot. Either they, 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 they make or break their season. So, that's why I'm excited to see, you know, teams like Texas A&M and Arkansas, who started off with bad starts, they're going to pick it up. You know what I'm saying? And and I would hate to be a team that play them later in the season, um, in the regular season. So It's a league where you have to come in and play your A game. And that's something that you've been doing. I want to talk about you for a little bit. I'll give you a little spotlight here. Um, you've been playing fantastic as of late, uh, both defensively, offensively, running the floor, um, in the pick and roll. Talk about just your progression and the role that you've stepped into this year because it's bigger than it's been in years past, and you're playing a very, very crucial role, especially on this team and how deep they are. Yeah, it's just really just living life, man, and having fun. That's really all it is, kind of just being focused on the present, focused on what you can control rather than looking at every other team and, Worrying about the uncontrollable, that's all you got to do is try to do where your feet are. You know, speaking about the depth of our team, we have an amazing team this year. And I want to give my guys props because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's like the nine, ten guys that play around me. You know, Chad Baker, Mazzaro is going crazy. Jalen Williams is having the freaking super senior season of the freaking like, century. Golly, he's going crazy. Just tell not, him to miss a, miss a shot every once in a while. Nah, he's never going to miss a shot. <laughs> he's going. He's not going to miss out for the rest of the year. Watch this, bro. And then, uh, <laughs> Golly, you know, Janiah Broom going insane. Leo Berman giving you a clutch three every freaking game. Denver Jones, mm. best, best defensive guard and probably in the SEC behind, you know, Ezra Mel, Ezra Manjohn from um, Vanderbilt and yep. maybe Kay Johnson. Denver Jones, the top three um, defensive guard in, in the league. Uh, dang, Zakai Zip was up there too. Now I'm thinking, like, golly, was that like Denver Jones is probably top five in, 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 in one-on-one coverage. But golly – this team is just so special and so fun to be around. And, you know, I'm just grateful to be on this team. But, you know, going back to the league and how dangerous it is, like, Arkansas, slow start, but they're facing a, a, a Texas A&M team that had a slow start as well. Texas A&M point guard, Wade Taylor, golly. Went off for 41. <laughs> 41 in SEC play is kind of ludicrous. You know what I'm wow. saying? And that's what you're saying. Like, you have to bring it every night. And – Thankfully, we have the depth to where if one person doesn't bring it, someone else will. And that's what the dangerous thing about this team is that every other team doesn't have is that, like, if Wade, if Wade doesn't show up, 
you know, maybe a couple guys, you know, have to show up for, in this spot. We have, you know, 9, 10, 11 guys who can show up in place of one person. So Jay Billis that said it during the game the other night in Nashville or before the game, or maybe it was Seth Greenberg. It was Greenberg uh, talking during the halftime report about that same thing because, I mean, you look at the teams in the SEC, the best teams across all of college basketball, UConn's, the Kentucky's, Tennessee's, Auburn in our conference. Of those teams, you can rule some out or you can, I guess, pick them to not go as far simply because of depth. Even a team like Kansas, they were just saying, like, pick your early Final Four. Kansas doesn't have the depth that an Auburn or a Kentucky has um, where they can go 9 to 11 players deep. Um, that's such a gift on, on your part because have guys come in and, and sub in quick and get new faces on the floor. And with the energy that this team has, bringing guys like KD off the bench, Trey off the bench, you off the bench, Chad Baker, Mazzara, those guys, that amount of energy, I just don't like, how do you even stop that? That's literally like a hot ball of fire sitting in both of your hands. And then you just come in and throw it. That's basically what it feels like when you guys come in and it's so much fun to watch. And I can't even imagine how much fun it is for you to be a part of that, to play with those guys. Just because just being blessed and feeling lucky that you don't have to do it. Like you don't have to face it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, golly, three headed snake. It's like a 10 headed snake. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. You're not kidding. 10 headed yeah. snake with a, um, with a big time coach who's hold, been holding it down. Thanks. Doing his thing. Yeah. You know what he's standing on. Bruce is standing on business. B square, Bruce business. Um, yeah. You guys have a big travel week the next uh, over the next week. And hopefully we'll get to talk with our guy, Jay will coming up soon. Rivalry game coming to this week, which will be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but before the rivalry game, we are going to take it to our favorite place. The spot at the end of the sidewalk spot at the end of the driveway. We're going to take it to the mailbox with the NFL playoffs starting up. Obviously you had big wins, big losses uh, in the wild card round, but now we are moving on to the end of the, into the real depth of the AFC and the NFC playoffs. So our mailbox question this week is who is your Super Bowl 2024 winner and why? Oh, you hear that? Hey, bro. I got the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. You know, Marlon Humphreys, big 44. You know what I'm saying? Alabama, the state of Alabama product, not the team. You know what I'm saying? I'm not claiming <laughs> that. But golly, I just think that, you know, they're a really hot team. They're great defense, great offense. And obviously, you have Lamar Jackson, who's a dangerous dual threat quarterback, who's finally, you know, staying in the pocket. I don't see nobody beating them. 49ers are insane. They're freaking cracked. But there is that stat that no Jared Goff beaten team has ever made the Super Bowl. So with that one, you can go ahead and rule them out. Um, Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers, golly, them boys is young, but them boys is on fire. So I don't know. And speaking of them boys, them Cowboys got them sorry tails up out of here. Thank the Lord, I hate the Cowboys. Thank Same here. Get them up out of here. So with all that being said, if the Ravens can stay healthy, God, you know, God, you know, allow that. Um, I got the Ravens winning the Super Bowl, and I will be in attendance. <laughs> right, somebody get this man a ticket. Every matchup is good, so it, it's hard to pick the matchups, much, le much less your winner. Um, I'm right there with you. The Cowboys cycle got Jerry Jones and them boys down in the dumps. Um, I can't remember the last time that they've ever, you know, checked out in that category. It's usually <laughs> where their downfall begins and ends. Um 
But I, just because you went the Ravens, that's who I was going to go. Lamar Jackson, a Louisville product. I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to go. I actually don't know who I'm going to go. Yeah, choose the Niners because they're not going to make it. I don't think it'll be the Niners. They're so solid just all around. I think they'll lose to a team that's hot. Um, Like maybe even Green Bay. Um, What they did to Dallas was impressive. So I think Green Bay could upset them. Bill's Mafia. Uh, that's my second that play. was my thought. I think it might be the Bills. I'm going to go Bills. I think second to the Ravens. I just didn't want to pick the Ravens because you picked the Ravens, and I didn't want to be that guy. So I'm going to go Bills. Um, I think the Chiefs game is going to be their hardest game of the playoffs because um, it always is. That game is always a gut-wrencher. Um, but I think I'm going to come out Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs um, on top in Bills Mafia and Winter Wonderland. Um, Bills Moff on top. That's who I got. You've got the Ravens. And that is all for this episode of Big Talk, which you can find full episodes on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts with clips on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube Reels. Dylan, that is all we got. I will see you very, very soon, hopefully with our good friend Jalen Williams. So stay tuned for that. Um, But for Vince, for Dylan, this has been Big Talk. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace.